Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 10, Starcade 1986. The Skywalkers are all dead. But aren't they rising? We'll find out, I guess. Sometime in the near future. <laughs> I wrote Night of the Skywalkers. Yeah, but I... Okay, it said Night of the Skywalkers on the thing, which sounds way cooler. But, like, on Wikipedia, it says the Skywalkers. And I think, like, on the, the like, image for the, like, tape or whatever yeah. on the network, it says the Skywalkers. That's but true, Night of the Skywalkers is, sounds sounds way better. It does sound and like, way better. Does this, like, we're not going to spoil the gimmick right now, but they're going to fucking walk on clouds. So just chill and enjoy yourself. They're going to they walk do, in the sky? Do they do this gimmick? They're going to moonwalk across the sky. Does this match ever happen again? Is that your question? Yeah. Yes, it does. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I would love. Is there anybody? Has anybody ever moonwalked into an elbow drop? Probably not. Can maybe, you, maybe Disco Inferno. Can you imagine like? Though that's giving Disco Inferno way too much. Yeah, for but can you cool. imagine like like Velveteen Dream like hitting hard off of the ropes, like comes to a stop, moonwalks, elbow drops, crowd goes nuts because he does old school shit all the time. Like he jumps sure. off, he jumps off the top to the outside. With just like a punch or an elbow, like and lands on his feet, like he no looks, flips he, or anything. He does double axe handles. Yeah, like and, like and macho. Yeah, and but the crowd goes nuts for it, as if it's like Kyrie Sane or it's like Io Shirai doing like the world's most perfect moonsault because he's the goddamn dream. D R E A M dream. Oh, that's so good. Continue. I'm sorry. It's okay. Starcade '86 is the fourth annual Starcade event produced by Jim Crockett Promotions for the NWA. The event was once again held at two different locations, the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina, and the Omni Coliseum in Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. We've on been there before. November 27th, 1986. That's like basically, uh, what is that called, Thanksgiving? Turkey Day, right? Yes. It's basically Turkey Day. Turkey, Turkey Day weekend. Due in attendance of 30,000 combined between the two venues. That ain't no big event. <laughs> doubling that yeah. big event was. But for some context, some things that happened around Thanksgiving of 1986, the Beastie Boys had to fight, released their debut album for the right, License to Ill, to party right. with brass monkeys and or girls. Exactly. <laughs> and we were talking about Iron Mike last week. Oh, uh, yeah. Iron Mike Tyson became the second youngest heavyweight champion in boxing. Uh, who did he knock out? Another large man. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't write it down. So I've never been like, I like the concept of boxing, even though it's like really fucked up. But I went into a boxing hole like a decade ago, and I watched a bunch of Mike Tyson matches. But I was mostly reading. Uh, I mean, that probably took you a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was. It was mostly because uh, I was reading and watching Hajime no Ippo, which is really good, really good uh, boxing manga. Interesting. Hi- highly suggest. Interesting. Highly suggest. So let's just get right into the show, because it's a, it's a long one. It, it's a good one, but a long one. Or is it a good is it? one? Yeah, you said it. I said it. <laughs> Maybe I should have taken that back. 
We'll find out. All right. So the show starts. Laser lights are going off. Laser lights are good. Uh, we get the Starcade theme. Yeah. Which you just heard over the introduction. I'm so tired of the Starcade. Uh, I think this this is the last one with this Starcade theme. I'm cool with that because they play it a lot in this very long show. I like the laser lights spelling out Skywalkers because it looks like a like a Pink Floyd like laser light show. Yes. <laughs> and it's kind of cool. Uh, and then we get our first look at the Skywalker scaffold match setup. How would you describe this? It. It's two. It's kind of construction. Like, it kind of platforms. Okay. It kind of looks like if you took like a like a like public pool and you have like the d- tall diving board. Yes. And it's like it's like that on each side above the ring. But then if you took like something the width of like two ladders, but it was it's basically like a catwalk between the two. Yes. So it's like it's not that wide. It's like Four five feet. five feet wide. Oh is it five feet wide? It's hard to tell in the the angle, but if it was any less than five feet wide, some of these men would probably end up being there. The national anthems played and we get some yeah. crowd shots. Uh we especially have one lady that's super excited to oh, be on. is that the one without the teeth? I didn't see it. She didn't have she's like She's in like front row, and she's like looking up at the screen. And that, that, was the yeah. that was definitely the lady. That was definitely the lady I saw. She was then. excited. The, uh, the, the quality of people at these shows is very fun. I mean, it's North Carolina and Georgia. <laughs> Tom Miller, who's the ring announcer. I think we've talked about him a long time. We cast to Atlanta, where we get Tony Schiavone and Rick Stewart. That are going to happen in Atlanta. And then they send it back to Greensboro. And we got Bob Cottle and Johnny Weaver in Greensboro. And they kind of preview the matches that are going to happen there. And we go to our first match. On Carnoodle. Uh, Carnoodle is the best. I love hearing you say Carnoodle. Obviously, it's from Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Rocky Carnoodle. We have seen him before. He is vice president of the fan club from Starcade 84. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there's a, yeah. And he still doesn't have a Wikipedia page. They were great. Um, the camera angle... For Greensboro, almost like from the second level, it's kind of and high. then at an angle, almost yeah. from like the corner angle. Both of these shows, like the, uh, this and the big event, both have interesting camera shots that you don't that I have that I haven't seen before, and I haven't seen recently. I've seen since. Yeah, since, yeah. Uh, I kind of enjoy those weird shots. So Royal put in a sleeper with the Canoodles tag, and Rocky comes in off the top rope with a sunset flip for a two count. Rocky with an impressive walking press slam, and then tries for a back suplex, but Horner flips over and pushes Rocky towards the ropes. Classic. But Horner continues the rollover for the pin and the win. We're going to give all the credit to Rocky on this pin. Yeah. Even though he's on the bottom. Because he carried it. Because he literally <laughs> had to carry Horner over yeah. to make sure that he was on the bottom. He, yeah, he, it was a quick fun it, start. It was a quick fun start to the, mat, yeah. to the show. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. And then we get the second match. Brad Armstrong versus gorgeous Jimmy Garvin in his corner. And this one's from Atlanta. Garvin and Precious are making out in the ring, and I'm just like, get a room, you two, because no one wants to see it. Don't want to see it at all. Big red hair. 80s puff. Yeah. Early on, this match is back and forth, lots of tests of strength. Speaking of hairdos... Mm-hmm. The ref's hairdo. Oh, dude, Scrappy. Scrappy is in this show a lot. His name yes. is Scrappy. Do you know anything Scrappy. about Scrappy? I don't know anything about Me Scrappy. Me neither. Didn't research Scrappy, but his hair is amazing. Was it a, a blonde mop top? It's kind. It's it's basically like a non-sweaty Hulk Hogan, but like 
when Hulk Hogan was like probably like twenty five and he was still like okay, there was a li- there was a little bit on top because like it's hard to tell because like Scrappy is very very blonde and it's not bleached it doesn't look bleached no and then he is also very white and like you know these are this is like old shot on video stuff so that I can't tell if he's like super thin on top or like there's something else going on but his hair is a distraction. We needed a distraction in this match because we need a few more. After the test of strength, now we get back and forth with arm and toe holds. Precious finally jumps up on the apron. Garvin and Garvin pulls Armstrong's hair to regain the advantage. Uh, we get kind of a cool moment here where Armstrong escapes from a head scissors, gives a hip toss, and locks in a headlock, which Garvin then reverses right back into a head scissors. Yeah. And so that was cool. Uh, is this like that? This is where he escapes by the like his head's in between his legs on the mat, and he does the, the hop back, kind of the hop head, left, the and, head then, stand. and then like stick your hand up. Why does that work? Because it's wrestling. Yeah, I know, but like it's it's hard for me. It can't. How do I explain that to a friend? How to be like, oh, and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, it's just wrestling. Because like the stand. It's true. He does. It's weird. It's just weird. And I was like, why does that? I just wanted somebody to explain. Like, why is it there was no answer? There is no answer. There's no answer. The answer is wrestling. Exactly. Uh, so Garvin tries to get back in the ring. Garvin slams Armstrong into the ropes, basically. And both men are running the ropes, and they bump heads for a double KO spot as they both went for the same. And once they're up, Garvin hits a scoop slam attempt. Or no, he doesn't hit it. By both men, they're all two counts. A schoolboy school by Garvin, followed by a revolve. All two counts. Scoop slam by Garvin, and he goes to the top rope to attempt a diving headbutt. But as he comes off the ropes, the bell rings. All right. Second match, time limit. Time yeah. limit draw. Yeah, because that's exciting. Exactly. It's not exciting if it doesn't go for an extended amount of time. If it's not a big feud. He starts going after Garvin, but he rolls out, and Precious gets in the ring and confronts Brad. Punch Armstrong, Armstrong turns around, blocks it, and clears the ring. And now we're on to our third match. Hector Guerrero and Baron Von Rasky versus Shaska Watley and the Barbarian. Now we've talked about Baron Von Rasky before. Like he's been involved in a match before. But this is the first match of his that we've seen. Yeah. He has the worst body on the whole show. Yes. That's not nice. I'm. Uh, but he was I, super over. Yeah, he's but he's not over like Hector is. No, Baron was way more over. Was he? I feel. Yes. I thought. I thought the cheers were for Hector. No. When, his, ba- when Baron yeah. gets tagged in on the hot tag, that crowd goes crazy. Spoiler alert: uh, This whole match is Hector. This whole match is Hector, and it rules. But Baron Von Rasky is a professional wrestling Hall of Famer. But Hector, as we've been talking, do you know what his relation is in the Guerrero family? Is he Eddie's father? No, he's his uncle. Older brother. Older brother. It's Him. crazy because it, it's like, uh, is it Chavo Jr. is like, like technically his like cousin? Cause no, it's Chavo like a, Jr. is his brother as well. Okay. Who's the one that's like the nephew? There's so many. Don't remember who the nephew is. Yeah. I mean, there's one of them that. Cause, yes, I know who yeah. you're talking about. I, who was it that originally trained the original ladies of Glow? There was like one of them originally. Yeah, one of the Guerrero. Originally, I, but for the television series, might have been. Uh, there was a, the one that tagged with. I think it was. It might have been Chavo Senior. Who was the Guerrero that tagged with uh, Eddie? 
Um, that was Charlo Jr. Okay, yeah. He, um, I believe... He's in the show Glow. Yeah, but he is also um, the guy that uh, trains the women and, like, basically made sure that everything was legit. And he was one of those things where, like, hey, should I take this job? And they're like, well, if you uh, don't do you're, it, who's you're in the current day Glow. No, no, but, I'm, but, but there's Guerreros in both of them. Is yes. the interesting fact. It's like, yeah. oh, that's cool. And they're like, and and he does a lot of any, the majority of stuff like Hollywood or television stuff in the U.S. that has to do with wrestling. He's kind of become the consultant and kind of like carved yeah. that out, which is really really cool. That's all I got. But there's so many grows and they're also great. So as Hector and Baron are making their way to the ring, we get some mariachi music. How do you feel about mariachi? It's all right. I mean, I, I like it, it was most likely a dub. Yeah, I, I doubt it was. I doubt it was actually the actual yeah. song that was being played. Uh, Shaska has a top hat, and I wondered. I saw the top hat, and I was like, "Well, I wonder if that means he has his hair back." And then he took the hat yeah. off, and he's still yeah, he's uh, because he lost his hair in a hair versus hair match at Great American Bash. It's not that it wasn't that long ago. Uh, it was four months at this point. Yeah, I mean, he he may have he obviously continued to shave, but there's a a character later that we'll see who did not. But Hector is going full metal jacket. Has the bullets uh, oh, crisscrossing yeah. on the over the chest. So as the bell rings, Shaska and Barbarian attacked Hector, and Barbarian ties Hector up in the ropes. But Guerrero escapes as Barbarian rushes towards him, and it sends him over the ropes. Baron comes around and holds Barbarian on the outside so that Hector can land a pescado from the ring. We get our first suicide dive. Woo! And you know who did it. Hector Guerrero. That's right. Shaska jumps down from the apron. Hector keeps running a couple feet away. The barbarian... You just call him Barbie. ...catches up with him and then slams Guerrero into a guardrail. Or at least that's what we're told because it's not lit and we can't see that what it was actually... Because <laughs> it's an NWA show and it looks like it was shot in your closet. Johnny Weaver leads the announce table to go to the back to get an interview. And now there are long moments of silence by Bob Cottle. We get some more power moves by Barbarian and Shaska. We get an Irish whip into the ropes, and Hector comes off, spits in Shaska's face. Ah, uh, that's cool. Baron gives the double noggin knocker, and the crowd is going crazy. Baron puts the claw on Shaska, but Barbarian comes in to break it up. We get all four men brawling when Shaska Irish whips Baron into the corner and charges in for the splash. But Baron moves causing Shaska to hit the turnbuckle and fall to the mat. Baron follows with the elbow drop and the pin for the win. Welcome to the Hector Guerrero Show. If only he would have been a bigger name. Post-match, Shaska and Barbarian give a double clothesline, a big to Baron, before Hector is able to make it back into the ring to clear it. We find out he went to, John, to Dusty Rhodes' dressing room, and he says Dusty has been by himself and hasn't granted any interviews in weeks. So why the heck not? Let's try to get one yeah. right before he's about to. No, I just I love that just like a black door that's closed and he's like trying to get an interview. That feels pretty uh, like that kind of storytelling on these shows. Johnny Weaver like opens the door and like steps in. He's like, hey Dusty, and like Dusty's like, and you can hear Dusty be like, yeah, which is great. It's a good way to to build. Yeah, builds yeah, attention. Build it's really, it's, I really appreciated that. Uh, I did too. Johnny then sends it to Tony and Rick, where we get our fourth match, the Kansas Jayhawks, not the University of Kansas, Bobby Jaggers and Dutch Mantel, versus Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev. 
for the NWA United States Tag Team Championship. We see that Shivani's actually also doing the in-ring announcing. Yeah, and I remember looking up and being like, wait, he's in the ring? Another chance for you here. Dutch Mantel becomes someone much more recognizable to current-day WWE fans. Any clue? I don't know. I don't remember what he looks like. He doesn't look anything like I it. I watched it a couple days ago, and I, yeah. Dutch Mantel was the very hairy one. But he becomes Zeb Coulter. Do you remember who Zeb Coulter is? No. Zeb Coulter was the manager for Jack Swagger. Oh. When they were doing the real, uh, the We the gimmick. How long ago was that? At least five years. Yeah, see, yeah, I was not, I did not catch that. I know who Jack Swagger is. I know what he looks like. Yeah. I do not know. But he had, he had tell was playing this. What was he doing between all that? Just different things. I yeah, mean, best, behind the scenes. More yeah. independent stuff. Yeah. Back, back yeah. scene. Real carnage. Backstage stuff. Through and yeah. through. Exactly. A wrestleman. So the match starts off. Jayhawks with a lots, lots of quick tags very early on. Everyone keeps doing double team maneuvers while the ref is getting the non-legal man out of the ring. And, tag team and remember that the match is no DQ, so... Why is that happening? Why is... Answer for you. It's only three letters. N-W-A. <laughs> uh, Dutch is sent headfirst into the announce table by Crusher and then drops Mantel's knee onto a steel barricade. The Russians are working the quick tags now, and Mantel is able to duck a double clothesline and comes back to hit one of his own, sending Crusher out to the floor. So we get the hot tag. Jaggers is going after both men. Gives a double noggin knocker on the floor while Mantel's head's being knocked into the announce table again. Ivan grabs the chain and goes, but Mantel has his bullwhip. Oh, yeah. That's, the thing is, he comes with the chain, and it's no DQ, so he could have just started the match with the chain, and then like the comes and back the, later, and it would have worked. But still, a no DQ tag team match is... Basically, it should just be a tornado tag match. It should be. It's a, a no DQ is no DQ, man. Like just everybody yeah. go and brawl, like whatever. Like, this isn't awful, but it it suffers from the fact that they don't fight the match that it was advertised. Ivan's up on the top rope. Mantel whips at his feet, tripping him, and it makes him fall off into the ring. And Crusher grabs the chain from Ivan as Mantel gets in the ring. And we have Chain versus Bullwhip. <laughs> but Mantel whips Crusher, knocking uh, knocking him out of the ring. Well, I guess it knocks him down, and the Jayhawks toss him out onto the floor, and Dutch and Khrushchev brawl outside the ring. Crusher finally makes his way back onto the apron with the chain, and while in the ring, Ivan has Irish whip Jaggers. Jaggers ducks the clothesline attempt, and, but gets hit by Crusher with the chain at the ropes. And then Ivan covers Jaggers for the pin and the win. Like, Crusher Khrushchev is such a hard thing to say when you're trying to explain these things. And I'm, all I can think about is like, oh, well, if he was just like working in WWE now, he would just be like Crush with a K. <laughs> yeah, he would, just, he would just be Crusher. Yeah, because you can only have, if you're, if you're any kind of... Uh, Foreign, you can only have one name in the WWE today. Everybody just has one name in the <laughs> WWE at this point. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're the Viking experience. Oh, gosh. The I just hate that, like, Andrade Cien Almas sounds so nice. And I always called him, like, Almas whenever I talked to talked about him. And I always called him Andrade, so yeah, it, it, worked it, worked, it worked in your favor, not mine. Exactly. But 
So we're going to head to our fifth match. Ravishing Rick Rude with Paul Jones in his corner versus Wahoo McDaniel in an Indian strap match. I might take my own pee break while you talk about this one. <laughs> so this match is, comes from Greensboro. Rude gets his ravishing theme song play. He does, and he looks amazing. He does. He's he's got the, he's got those uh those those muscles those extra muscles. To win this match, you must touch all four turnbuckles in succession while having the guys like both of his wrists wrapped up. And you, you don't him. have to. It really. Like he, 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 like, he literally could be laying in the middle of the ring. You just have to go walk yeah. around, touch all four turnbuckles. I'm, I'm fine with rules, but come on, man. So the two men argue over who will put the strap on first. Because it matters. You both got to put it on. I put insert dirty joke here. That's good. Who's the real peg boy? (laughs) (laughs) Both men using the strap to whip and choke each other. Rude is finally taking control and ties Wahoo's hands up with the strap and begins to drag him to the corners. He gets the two turnbuckles when Wahoo wraps his legs around the ropes so they can't be moved. Wahoo's now on the offensive, and he begins to drag Rude around himself, getting to three turnbuckles before Rude kicks Wahoo to break the count. Rude comes off the top rope with a flying fist to the head and starts to tie Wahoo's hands again. But instead of starting to drag him, Rude goes up to the top rope, but this time Wahoo yanks him down by the strap, and then Wahoo starts dragging Rude around, gets to three, and is halfway to the fourth turnbuckle, when Paul Jones jumps up on the apron and he gets a McDaniels chop for his troubles. Not enough McDaniels chops in this match. They were over not too long ago. They used to be over. It's very true. And there's like barely any of them. While all that's happening, Rube pops up, hits Wahoo from behind, who goes head first into the turnbuckle. Looks like the ref is signaling something, but no bell rings. And then Paul Jones jumps in the ring and they're starting to work over Wahoo until Hector Guerrero and Baron Von Raschke come out to help clear the ring. The bell finally rings, and the ref raises Wahoo's arm. So even though he got hit, you would think that would break the the count, but his head went into the turnbuckle for the fourth Yeah, to win and the you know what's really great about this show? Is that it's not telegraphed very well. Is it, is it the... The non-existent commentating team <laughs> that's supposed to like let you know about what's going on doesn't. Yeah, it's it's really difficult to the point where like we'll get to it later. But these 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 uh, these men with microphones are on my fucking shit list. <laughs> so we got Rick Stewart. He's still in Atlanta in the back with the Russians, and the sound doesn't really work for the first couple seconds of the promo. Oh, I want to say that I appreciate that the faces. In like that show up in this match and in this match like Wahoo Hector and Baron von Rodsky are not all like white meat baby white like white boys. We've got Agreed. we've got a Baron, we've got a, a we Hispanic, got a, we got and, a German, and, a Mexican, and, 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 and an Indian. Yeah, and a like a native, and they're all like and and, and they're the they're the the babies getting cheered, and I'm like, oh, that's that's nice. That is nice. Yeah, and it, and it's proof that it can be done. So Ivan is uh, back on the promo. He's looking forward to the thousands of... And they're coming after Dusty Rhodes at the Bunkhouse Stampede. And then Crusher cuts a promo, but it's hard to hear, so I couldn't really tell what he was saying. It's time for that sixth match. Bill Dundee versus Sam Houston. One of my other boys. One of your other boys, definitely. For the NWA Central States Heavyweight Championship. Does that include Oklahoma? 
I think it's more Kansas and like Nebraska, Missouri. Then what are we? Where I think we're the no man. I think we were technically in the Universal Wrestling Federation at that time. The Bill Watts Mid South stuff got changed into UWF or something like that by this point. But uh, there's a story behind this match, actually. Okay, bring These on. two men had faced off in the finals for the vacant title in a tournament, and this was the rematch. Oh, okay. This match is coming to us from Atlanta. So is like, who has the belt at the moment? Sam Houston. Sam Houston has the belt. And the ladies love Sam Houston. Why wouldn't they? He's a handsome fit boy. So it looks like you got some competition there, uh, Michael. I got you, Sam. So he, Sam did end up real life marrying Baby Doll. Yes. So you know he did okay for himself. Did pretty good for himself. Houston goes for what I thought would be a leapfrog at one point, but it ends up turning it into a head scissors yeah, takedown. It's, it's cool. Really cool looking. Uh, Houston goes for a bulldog, but Dundee reverses it into a back body drop. But then Sam reverses it and lands on his feet. And then runs Dundee into the turnbuckle to roll him up. Where was, my, where was my Sam Houston Hector Guerrero match? There you go. <laughs> that would have been great. Also, Dundee kind of has a, like, you, they say he's from Australia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a crowd chant at one point, or somebody yells out, uh, make me some shrimp, which I thought was very funny. Because <laughs> you know, put another shrimp on the Barbie. I assume, yes. I assume, like, I don't know when Crocodile Dundee came out. I've seen. At least Crocodile one, Dundee one and two. I literally just watched the third one the other Is day. Is there a third? When did the third one come out? Like nineteen ninety. Yeah, like in the early nineties. Yeah. He he went to Los Angeles. Yeah, but like it's so weird. Like those are kind of forgotten movies. Like they existed and they were a big deal, like kind of comedies, but they don't track today. Crocodile Dundee came out the same year as this show. Uh, I wanted it to come out before the show, though. I mean, I guess it had to, unless the Shrimp on the Barbie thing comes from something else. I mean, when it, I think came, of, it came out exactly two months uh, previously. That's perfect. Perfect timing. All I'm saying is... Live Googling uh, on air. That rules. It was worth it. It totally was. <laughs> as, he's ro- as, he's ro- as he's rolling him okay. up, Dundee ends up grabbing the tights to pull Houston off, so we, we get a little Houston, little crack. Houston crack there. All the ladies loving it still. Houston then gets tossed from the ring and looks to have hit the edge of the table when he came down. Houston comes back with an atomic drop to send Dundee over the guardrail. Which is a weird spot from the atomic drop. And then Dundee goes to the top rope and hits a bombs away, which is a big right hand, but wastes time making a pin. Is that the spot where Dundee takes a couple steps on the top rope? No, okay, that's still coming up. Okay, sorry, spoiler. Dundee hitting some big right hands, does the dusty roll before a double punch, and then does a bit of dancing. Yeah. Bill Dundee kind of looks like shit, but he's got – he's super not likable look-wise. He's got his character, like, in control. He knows exactly. what he's doing. Dundee turns over Houston into a Boston Crab, but Sam reverses it into a Rana pin. That Boston Crab looks good, though. And then Dundee reverses it into a sit-out pin, but they're in the ropes. Chain wrestling. That's what I come for. Yeah, and you are st- and you are still not a Sabre fan? It, that's not chain wrestling. That's, let me put a, a hold on. Okay, I'm bored of putting this hold on, so I'm going to put it on. You shut your... I, I see where you're coming from, but I'm upset about it. Dundee then is choking Sam, tossing him out onto the floor. And as Houston makes his way back into the ring, Dundee goes to the top rope... And walks towards Sam, 
on the top rope to land a double axe. He does like three steps, and the guy doesn't look like he has any balance. It's kind of like if the Undertaker were a bowling, and he tried to walk across the ropes. I mean, you know, but it was it was like the the Undertaker like walked. It was old school. It's great. I was very impressed by that. We then get Sam on the comeback with a bunch of rack elbow, a knee drop, body slam puts Dundee down. Houston goes for another knee drop, but Dundee moves and begins to work over the knee. Dundee goes to put the figure four on, but Sam kicks him off into the ref, and with it, I love this. Dun- Houston's boot comes off. I love it. So Dundee much. grabs it and hits Sam. I love it. The ref sees it, calls for the bell. And Sam Houston is our winner by DQ. This is the kind of NWA, like, shitty, like, bullshit finishes that I want to see. Because it's easy to see, it's fun, the guy's the heel, it's surprising, it's well-telegraphed, and, like, you still get your th- you still get your shady finish, and, like, because, in I guess, to ever end, so, no, like, no, yeah. But but like, so, I feel like this is a, a good way to you can see it. And it's not exactly. and it's not confusing, like because this you know, sends them right yeah. back to up to Kansas. Yeah. And didn't help me uh, under, under does not help me understand most of these shady finishes. Shivani and Rick yeah. Stewart because Tony Shivani, Bob Cottle and Johnny. There's a, there's a reason you only worked for one year for Vincent McMahon, Tony Shivani, and it's because you're not not the best. You're not that even good. But yeah, that shoe spot I loved. I mean, granted, I have a bias because uh, I like Sam Houston a lot. I think it looked nice. Post-match, Dundee just keeps attacking Houston with the boot until finally gets tired and yeah. leaves the ring. How much hair dye do you think Dundee has? His hair is so dark. As much as Jerry Lawler. <laughs> yeah. Because he get, probably gets it from him. <laughs> yeah. His hair seriously looks like just like a bunch of crow feathers. Headed to our seventh match, we get Jimmy Valiant with, Another one big, of my boys. with big Mama. Uh, versus Paul Jones with Manny Fernandez in a hair versus hair match. It's funny to see the roles swap between like Paul and Manny. Yeah, because Manny was on Valiant's side the last time we saw him at Great American Bash. Yeah, also like Paul Jones is is, is a manager. Yeah, and like Manny Fernandez is a wrestler, so it's 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 fun to see the the swap of the wrestler on the outside and manager on manager, the inside. Yeah. yeah, this match is coming from Greensboro. We got that dancing. Those boobs are moving and shaking. Yeah, they call her boob mom for a reason, and it's that, a very obvious reason. That's why. Yeah. Uh, Diane's hair isn't on the line in this match. No, he's got he's got, but it looks good though. I like his like kind of like because he has curly hair, so it's two inch like buzz, like almost flat top, but he still has his big hobo beard that's like tied yeah. off. Big Mama's hair is on the line. She's I'm just I'm just gonna say this, like what on the line? Yeah, totally. That's what he should do. Like, if he actually loved Big Mama, he would put his beard on the line. Well, so unless she was, unless you, she like you say, if he, if he really loved her, time. What a what a bad husband. Exactly. Even more Big too. Mama. So, but one of the I'm about to give you my phone number on the air. One of the stipulations <laughs> uh, for this match was the Raging Bull was going to be locked in a cage, suspended up in the air. Oh, dead man spot. <laughs> They're trying to get Raging Bull to. Get into the cage, but he tries to sit down in a yeah. chair. He's kind of stalling and everything. The ref is arguing with him to get age. And they basically have that face locker room come out. Basically, Tim Horner, Nelson Royal, Baron Von Rasky, Wahoo all come down, end up fighting with Fernandez to get him into the cage. Yeah. Match finally. That cage, like, it looks kind of scary to just be in. Like, it oh, lifted that high. Like, I don't know. Like, 
I look at it and I'm like, ah, like that. I don't think I could be comfortable. Totally. I would be pretty freaked out. But as the match starts, we get a valiant fighting like a man possessed. Uh, you know, I love me some Jimmy V. He's the shakiest. Of Maybe Ozzy Osbourne. That's involuntary, baby. Call back. <laughs> so Paul uh, Paul Jones ends up breaking up the the heat, hitting Valiant with the foreign object, and Jimmy is busted open. Where did he? Where did he get the fo? He got it out of his tights. Oh, okay. The crowd is cheering every time Valiant ends up hitting Paul Jones. The crowd is just going crazy. They're loving Valiant. Valiant gets Jones. How could you not? Why don't you? Love? Why do you not love Jimmy? Because he does like two moves. It's okay. Same reason I don't root for John Cena and his six moves of doom. Yeah, but he doesn't. He's not as cool. Uh, Valiant gets Jones locked in the sleeper, uh, but Jones has something in his hand when Valiant throws Jones towards the rope and the object goes flying backwards. Uh, it's good. It looks really good on the screen. Valiant picks it up and ends up hitting Jones with it, covering for the pin and the win. But I do want to mention... That the ref is literally looking right at Valiant's hand, and he has the thing still in his hand as he's counting the pin. I have three letters for you. And <laughs> w A. But uh, the the like Paul Jones going into the corner and like whatever the fo is, it's very reflective and it just like shoots over his back and just lands perfectly. Obviously, he like pulled it and like threw it over his shoulder. Probably practiced it a couple times, but it looks fantastic and is well telegraphed. And at this point in these NWA shows, I don't care about a finish. I mean, I like I don't care about it being gimmicky as hell. I care about me being able to understand it because yeah. I know the refs aren't going to tell me. That's true. And I think that this did a good job with that. And I'm also I agree. I agree. And, yeah, but I also love my my two moves of doom. So post match, Valiant has the Clippers. And begins to shave Jones's hair all the way down to the scalp. It looks pretty brutal. It does. Uh, I thought he was going to start bleeding. Because I was like, oh, he's, it looks really rough the way he does yeah. it. Yeah. The cage has been lowered by this point, And once the Raging Bull is out, he goes to attack Valiant and is quickly joined by Rick Rude. And then they do some double team maneuvers before Fernandez grabs a chair. And they do a double DDT into it. Which is super out of its time. Yes. It's pre- it's a it's a it's a gnarly like ECW spot. Wahoo and Baron come out to clear, help clear the ring, but Valiant is out of it. Oh yeah. Point. It's good. He sells it. So then we get commercial time. Ugh. Which the show for some reason does quite a bit okay, of. Okay, this show is like four hours long. And, and we get like thirty minutes of it, of it is commercial is, time. Is like, yeah, is advertisements, which you do luckily get to see. Yes. There's there's some shining moments and we'll go over maybe one of them. Now. We're 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 gonna talk about them just because it's part of the show, yeah, so we're gonna cover. That, that's the fun part of some of these shows. So Shivani's in the like, ring in Atlanta and starts doing an advertisement for the Bunkhouse Stampede, and then we go to Starcade Control with Bob Taylor, who I have Major no Tom clue. Starcade Control, <laughs> and he talks <laughs> some more about Bunkhouse Stampede. And then we go to a video package slash commercial. Of a cowboy? With Nelson (laughs) Royal. Oh, that's Nelson Royal. Sitting by a fire, drinking some coffee. Yep. Some guitar picking happening behind him. Yeah, he's got like a, basically like a... Campfire going. Well, there's a campfire going, but right behind him is basically like a place for bunk beds. It's like your your cowboy stable, like, camp spot. 
He says he was in the first one that ever happened in Texas, and he left with a broken arm. Basically to tell you that it's a dangerous match. Yeah. Because when there's no way to settle the score, there's always the bunkhouse stampede. But he does it with way less than you are doing now. That's true. He's doing it like... There's like, no way to settle. Yeah, he's basically... There's the stamp. Bunkhouse stampede. Yeah, he's basically... Uh, I can't think of his name. John Wayne, but like... You slept in a Soma. <laughs> and so then they go to some video clips of previous, and we see Dusty win. Yeah. Uh, basically, it looks like the Bunkhouse Stampede is a hardcore battle royal. Yeah. Where you can do anything you want, still an over-the-top battle royal. Yeah, it's like you can leave the ring and come back with a fucking knife, and you can stab him, but you still got over the top. Exactly. That's dead weight. We're then back at the Omni. We see two young ladies giggling. Before Tony announces the 15-minute intermission. We're back. And Tony is now plugging the Crockett Cup. And we go to a video hit. Which Bob Taylor narrates. Includes a video of Giant Baba and Tiger Mask. Which was interesting to see. And then it also shows the finish of the finals. Which was the Road Warriors versus Magnum TA and Ron Garvin. Which the Road Warriors won along with the million dollars. And we see Mrs. Crockett Senior, which they never uh, they never say her first name. What's her first they name? just called it or called her Mrs. Crockett what's her first Senior. Name? I have no clue. Fucking Nurse Ratchet. She is the oldest lady on the planet in this video. Check herself to the room. Yeah, and they hold up the check, and it's like it's like a little bit bigger than like a tip check, but it's not like the giant check. It's a cashier's check. Yeah, but the you know, is there Crockett cups on the network? Are we gonna watch any Crockett cups? The Crockett Cups back then were never big pay-per-view shows. No, they were, like, taped, though. The we tape could probably show. find them. Yeah. But it depends. I don't only want to watch the finals. Exactly. I do, I do know that they're bringing back the Crockett Cup this year. The and Crockett I'm, Cup probably has happened by the time this show's aired. Yeah, most likely. Cause, but um, I'm kind of interested. So, in 30 years, when we get to that show, we'll... Well, I mean, yeah. We'll watch it. So, we'll watch a Crockett Cup. I mean, Cup I'll probably watch it, uh, you know... When it, when it happens, actually happens. Like, I might not buy the paper various means. We'll, we'll see what happens. If Liger's there, maybe I'll give him 40 bucks. We finally get to an eighth match. After it feels like a good sense of commercials, basically. Yeah. And we get Ron Garvin versus Big Bubba Roger Corner in a Louisville street fight. But this match is coming from... Not... <laughs> Do you know what the difference between an Atlanta and a Louisville street fight is? Garvin not wearing a dress? <laughs> God damn you. Continue. Uh, I forgot. I forgot about the Yeah, he was Miss Atlanta Lively. I know, I forgot he was Miss Atlanta. So Rogers gets some Blues Brothers-esque music on his way out to the ring. I always get, um, like, some of it sounds so much like, like ADR, like added in, and I never know. Most of it is probably dubbed. Yeah. So sure I, ne- I never I'm sure really it know. like trash or whatever, but like, I don't know. It's always fun because you get excited for this and Cornette and Rogers get into the ring, and Cornette takes the mic and does the introduction for Rogers himself. The rules of the match basically can win by pinfall or ten count, but I'm going to give you a heads up. No one goes for a pinfall in this entire match. It's a real uh, slob. As JR, good old JR would say, yes. We see Garvin start to throw big right hands, finally knocks Rogers out of the ring, out on the floor, when Garvin grabs a cup of soda and throws it onto Big Bubba. I know, it's, it's awesome. It's that old 7-Eleven logo. 
Rogers takes control after a couple of knees, throwing Garvin's head into the turban with a roll of quarters to bust Ronnie open. And doesn't the roll of quarters, like... It busts open as well. It looks awesome. We get a scoot slam and a splash in the middle of the ring. Gets a two count for Big Bubba. But then Garvin grabs a rope and begins to choke and tries to hogtie Big Bubba. Tying him up like a Thanksgiving turkey. This is... There's not a lot of good commentary commentary. on the show, so like... Occasionally you have to Occasionally you get something like that, and that's not even that funny. So Big Bubba is getting Garvin into a bear hug to wear him down some more, but he escapes with the, some headbutts. Should we have done a bear hug over under before this show? <laughs> These guys are they're so big that there's at least one every match, it feels like. Uh, Garvin's finally busted Rogers open with his hands of stone. A real heck boy. Rogers goes to the top rope, but Garvin with the gorilla press slam and the cover. Big Bubba kicks out by tossing Garvin off onto the ref. Garvin then hits a pulling pile driver, which basically means that he like holds pull, him, pulls him by the by back his, of the trunks. By his back of you've his all trunks. seen it. It's just hard to like. There's no particular word for it. But yeah. you've all seen it. It's like it's like the lazy. It's like the the pile driver on the fat boy. And as Garvin is moving to cover Rogers, Cornette cracks him with his gold tinted tennis, tennis racket. racket. Yeah, Cornette, corny, corny with the fucking bullshit. The ref begins to count. One. Eight. What? Nine. Nine. What? I, I, I just went straight to eight. Okay, I was going to do all of it. Ten. They're both out still. So the ref there must looks, be a winner. looks over at Tony and goes, there must be a winner. I like this, though. The first person to reach their feet will win. It's good. I like the concept of this. Cornette gets in the ring and is encouraging Rogers, but the ref literally pushes him out. Yes, and bloody RG. Starts to get up. Garvin starts getting up. He's on his knees, but Roger starts stirring, and he grabs and pulls the ref down. Ronnie's on his feet, but the ref hasn't seen him yet, when all of a sudden he goes back down, grabbing his knee. We don't see Cornette hit him again. But, but they say he hit him again. That's what they I, say, and and I I hear rewind a couple of And I saw Cornet over there in the corner. He was. It makes sense. Yeah, but, but the camera angle was bad. Which is why I get excited when a shit finish is is visible on these shows. Exactly. Because this could have been a, just as good as some of these other matches finish wise. I still love the finish. The concept of the finish was I love great. The concept is fine, but if you but if that you ca- have to be that told, camera angle should have been there. Yeah, if you have to be told what happened, it's not as interesting. Rogers makes his way to his feet, and the ref raises his hand for the win. And the crowd is going crazy. We got a bullshit chant going oh, bullshit. on. Bullshit! It was it was pretty fun, like big man versus less big man. So we're headed off to the ninth match: Dusty Rhodes versus Tully Blanchard with J.J. Dillon in a first blood match for the, the NWA World, World Television Championship. Is this, uh, like, have we seen a first blood? I don't think so. I think this is the first one. Is this, uh, Rambo-inspired? I doubt it. Is this the true first blood part two? It might be. <laughs> this match is coming from Greensboro, and the cameras are with Dusty all the way in the locker room as he makes his way to the ring. So good, because they, they, they're on the black door that we saw earlier, and we haven't seen him all night, and with Dusty, normally he's going to cut a promo between every two matches. Like, that's what yep. we're used to at this point. But he's so upset, like not himself, so ready to kill, that he is not shown until the match. And he comes out of the door we saw before that was 
that we never we like that we didn't go inside of. Take it from here, Matthew. I mean, the entrance is very Goldberg esque. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I mean, no no security guards or anything, but like just the following from the locker room. Yeah, to I know, the, but it looks so good. Yeah, it looked really good. Dusty has shaved the sides of his head. Has totally written not, above oh, the ears. Yeah, and his hair is like real short, and he's got it's still bleached, but it's like short. He looks good, but it's not like shaved the side. It's just like right around the ear. It's like yeah. a weird circle thing. It's not like a flat top. It's it's very bizarre for Dusty Rhodes. So they're in the ring. J.J. Dillon is putting like wrestling headgear on Tully. Oh, it's so funny. But the ref makes to him remove the, it. Yeah, to cover up the first blood thing and like. And then JJ's putting grease on Tully's face. Yeah, and the ref, the ref grabs a towel, starts wiping it off. I love that these last couple of refs so like won't take any shit. I think this was actually a Hebner. Is a Hebner? Match. Yeah. Uh, Dylan goes and is getting in Dusty's face, starts pushing him, but Rhodes retaliates with a bionic elbow, uh, busts him open immediately. Immediately. The fucking razor elbow. And the thing is, like when I first watched this match, I was like. Oh, that's weird that he, like, one elbow made Dylan bleed, but it actually plays into the oh, psychology so of well, this match. So, so well, well. So well. Like, this show is four hours long. If it was two hours long, uh, I would be way more excited about this match. Yeah. But it still delivers. I mean, because we're, like, two and a half hours into this show, or almost three. Probably at this point, we're, like, two, yeah, two and a half hours into the show, and we're just now getting, and it's like, okay, just... Yeah. We want the show. No, like the this is some very very good psychology. Yes, because Tully basically they they do not wrestle in this match. No, at it's all. A, it's a straight Tully, brawl. Tully keeps they start to brawl and then Tully no. backs away. Well, they they sell they sell the first blood thing because they're like, hey, like we're shoot fighting basically. Mm-hmm. They're attempting to sell it as a shoot fight because it's first blood, so they have to like fucking punch each other. Yeah. So like. Anytime somebody is, like, attempting a punch, they're blocking, moving away, uh, or it's all for the blow. The one blow could be it. Exactly. So it's all done in a very, and like... the thing is... It might be the most intelligent NWA match we've Dusty's seen. forehead possibly could bust open at any point. Yeah, yeah, he could fart and his forehead would bust open. But we get some headbutts, elbows from Dusty. Dusty has Tully in the corner at one point when Dylan grabs his boot to trip... Rhodes knocking him backwards into the ref. Tully goes up to the second rope and Dylan tosses his shoe yeah. into Blanchard. It's good. And he jumps off with it, but it's caught by Dusty and then tossed back into the turnbuckle, losing grip on the shoe so he doesn't have it anymore. Rhodes then hits a vertical suplex, like the one wrestling move the entire match. Takes him over, but he knocks him right into the ref again. Now Dusty has the shoe. And he's, he like, throws it out the and he's like, nah, I don't need this. Yeah. I'm the face, y'all. Yeah, all the, the like Dusty does a lot of Dusty like like chicken strut. The Dusty like limp wrists are my favorite. But he tosses the shoe out, just starts pounding on Tully's head with his fists. I can do it with my knuckles, baby. Tully is bleeding, but the ref is still out from the vertical suplex he got spot. Su- he got suplexed out of the ring. And Dusty is gloating in the ring, like, yeah, yeah. I've won this. I wish you could uh, see my wrist. It's pretty limp. <laughs> Dylan, Tully is rolled over, and Dylan has seen the forehead, putting grease on it to help stop it from it's bleeding. Fucking, it's fucking genius. Hands Tully a roll of quarters. 
Second roll of quarters tonight. Second match in a row, basically. $20 in the ring. (laughs) Tully gets up, ends up hitting Dusty with it. Ref wakes up, sees the blood. To wake up the ref to be like, hey, he's bleeding. I thought the ref woke up after the roll of quarters. I thought Dusty was like, hey, I remember him going to the ref and be like, yo, he's bleeding. Check him out. Well, I think he started doing that, and then he started gloating, and then totally hitting with uh, it. Oh, okay. But the ref wake, sees the blood. One of these. This is me. This is me slapping your forehead to check. Yeah, the he like literally like wipes a child's fingerprinting, and Dusty's face is fucking drenched. Yeah. And then he like pulls. He like hits, swipes him a couple times, and then shows him the blood on Dusty's face, and uh, the bell is like, ah. So what do we get? We get a beautiful. And new uh, world television champion, Tully. A, like, the best psychology on the whole show, I think? So far, yes. And the least wrestling. And it proves what wrestling can or can't be. It doesn't have to be about skill. Sometimes it's just storytelling. Exactly. And I think that that's the thing. I think that uh, this is me also like big upping myself for loving Junkyard Dog, even though he doesn't get great stories. But sometimes it's or just a, finishes. Some, sometimes it's just about a performance. And if people totally perform, is. that's what it is. And it doesn't have to be. I mean, uh, there's a reason Yano is popular in New Japan. <laughs> yeah, because Japanese think that that's funny. <laughs> we have different styles of humor. I mean, I think Yano is funny too. I think Yano is great. I'm sure that if uh, I was in drenched in Japanese culture, then it would be more funny to me. So post-match, Dusty is trying to explain to the ref what's happened, but just to no avail at all. Match, the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, uh, with Paul Ellering, which is Bobby Eaton and Dennis Codry. With Jim Cornette and Big Bubba Rogers in their corner in a Skywalker scaffold match. This match is coming from a limb. We get another laser light show happening. Oh, yeah. And we get like, it sounds like, I can't imagine from the time, but it kind of, it's like, it's early techno, and I guess there was like a club scene at the time, like club techno music. And it's kind of awesome. The Express comes out. It looks scary. That's like, true. Higher on these shows where they enter on the floor is like kind of scary looking. Uh, the Warriors come out, and instead of going into the ring, they just start climbing the scaffold to get yeah. up to the top. And how long does it take for this match to start? 15 minutes? It takes 40 a while. minutes? <laughs> I mean, the match itself takes about 10 minutes from bell to bell, uh-huh. but including entrances and everything, it's it like, was like 40 to probably 40 about 15 to 20 minutes. They seriously climb up there, and then the Rock Express enters, and they seriously just stand up there and look down, and then it's... Standing. Take forever getting up on. I guess they just want to let you know what's happening, but uh, we get. But it. I know the, the road warriors don't look scared. So they're the road warriors, bro. Yeah, that's why road warriors. So to win, you must throw both opponents Is it off. Both? We said earlier it's five feet wide, but it was twenty feet up in the air. It looks fucking scary, man. Like these, it very these are scary. not small guys. They're the no. fucking Road Warriors, and they're fucking Midnight Express. Look that strong. It seriously looks less strong than, like, than a high dive. It does. Like, at one point, a piece of the guardrail falls off. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if I caught it. But, yeah, it's a it's a beautifully silly match. So, going into this match, uh, Hawk and Animal had just done a Japanese tour about a month previously. Was that all Japan at the time? Uh, I'm not real sure exactly which Probably. promotion at that time, but Hawk had broken his leg. 
in this match with a broken leg. Or a, a not-so-healed leg, maybe? With a broken leg? That was that was that, that was, that was the, the info that I found yeah, was that he had a broken leg. I mean, it probably had been healing by this point, but it probably wasn't completely healed. Yeah, well, I mean, none of those guys ever completely healed. That's like, true. They all die at fucking sixty. So they're up on the top. They're both kind of standing there for a minute. They and then looking down, looking down, kind of you know. Because I was confused to how the match started because it was taking so long, and I was like, well, why did they climb to the top if those guys aren't climbing? And then ten minutes later, I don't know which member of the Rock and Roll Express starts to climb, but he does the whole, I'm scared. I'm yeah. climbing. He's climbing up yeah. and he climbs back like down, said, but he does it like four times. Took him totally forever to get up there. But once they're up there, uh, they start brawling. Both members of the Express end up throwing powder at the Warriors. Which... Well, this is pretty far into it. The powder? No, that was maybe, like one of the very first offensive moves the, there was. But like the, I guess they, they get up there, but they it does look scary. Like It looks very scary. It's, like it's... Like it's a dumb, it's a dumb match, but it does look terrifying. I mean, it holds, it holds. It I think holds the away. only, the only match I think that's possibly scarier is possibly the Hell in the Cell whenever Mankind goes off the yeah, freaking top. Yeah, of that. but he, yeah, but he went up top. That was a choice. Like yeah. this, you have to start up there. Yeah, exactly. Which is different. Once, once the match gets going, basically everyone is just kind of down on their hands and knees brawling. Cause yeah, like, you don't, like don't want to stand because everyone's it's not crawling. the sturdiest thing. Yeah. They do do some standing like punches, and they sell them pretty well considering you know they're holding back a little bit. Exactly. Bobby Eaton's hanging, ends up hanging from underneath the scaffold. He's hanging off by Animal's leg. Yeah. And he ends up swinging himself to kind of the safety of like a ladder it's like, the, it's like the side of the yeah. ladder. It's like the, the main support base, kind of. Condry gets broken open by uh, by Hawk, and he tries to cr- climb down, but Hawk grabs his hair to keep him from climbing down. Which, once they started climbing down, I was just like, I don't, I don't understand. That's like forfeiting? I'm like, yeah. I was like, I thought you had to get throw someone off the schedule. So I was just like, whatever. But Hawk starts following down the ladder, and then Hawk and Condry are brawling... What, like basically just throwing yeah they're basically each like other. holding each other and throwing there's a really good spot where like like they're obviously like both like kind of nervous but they're like throwing it and they're selling their brawl their like punches like one of the road warriors throws his punch and the other guy's like not aware so he like doesn't even like he either doesn't sell it at all or he sells it so late that it doesn't matter but it's like the one time that happens in the whole match but it's like so hilariously obvious and kind of adds to like the fear of them being on this rickety structure. Exactly. Eaton and Animal on the other side of the contraption have made their way underneath the scaffold as well. And then Eaton starts to monkey bar his yeah, it way. Becomes, it becomes a monkey bar. Across the structure. But then you get Hawk and Animal hanging on and basically it's kind of like a chicken fight? Yeah, yeah. Where you're like hanging and trying to like just grab kick some, each other kick off someone off and everything. Condry falls all of a sudden. So he, he's eliminated. He doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like he really gets kicked off. He just kind of like, ah. I think maybe he, he just he fucking, maybe, 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 maybe just slipped maybe off. He just slipped. Like they're sweaty guys. They're up there. Obviously exactly. very nervous in front of all those people up 20 feet in the air. And then Eaton literally less than a minute later, he's swinging between Hawk and Animal and all of a sudden... I think he does get hit. Yeah, I think they like try to throw a kick at him or something. And he goes down. Hawk then climbs down. See, this is my biggest complaint about this match, is that Hawk and Animal are both there, and they're both hanging. 
they're both like hanging. They both uh-huh. knock both of them down. How fucking badass would it have been if they just let go their feet in the middle of the ring and fucking got their arms raised by the fucking ref? Now that you found out that he had, do you really want him to do that? <laughs> That's kayfabe, baby. <laughs> I'm living in the real world. But no. But could you imagine how cool that would have been? It would have been cool. It would have probably saved the. It, it could have like that moment is a potentially potential match saver. He's down the ring now. Ref raises his hand. And Cornette, you see Cornette on the outside. He sneaks around the ring, goes to hit Paul Ellering with his racket. Paul catches it, and Jim runs away and goes up the structure. This is what I don't get. Ellering follows up to the top. This is what we want to see, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, where he and Anna stuck between them on the scaffold. So Cornette crawls under... (laughs) And it's, but he's swinging and everything. Yeah. And so here's he, what was supposed to happen. Okay. He was supposed to drop straight down, and Big Bubba Rogers was supposed to catch him. What he does is fall right on. What he ends up doing is he's swinging so much that he comes he comes out too far, and Bubba doesn't isn't able to catch him. He legitimately has a severe knee injury, which causes him to still limp to this day. Oh, really? Because I saw him fall, and I was like, that fall looks terrible because it's just like. It, it seriously looked like he landed on his tailbone, and, like, I'm sure that it... No, his knee Yeah, because it happened so quick, it's very... It, but I was like... Uh, I mean, you can I, kind of hear him as they're pulling yeah. him out of the ring, and, and, he's, and like, he's like, My knee, my yeah. You're supposed to catch me. <laughs> like, you, you can hear him say, You're supposed, supposed to catch me. me. Yeah. 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 But no, that fall looked terrible. It and I didn't know that still... was horrible. Uh, what bump did uh, Shawn Michaels go cross-eyed for? I have no clue. Me neither, but... <laughs> Maybe we'll find out at some yeah. point. See you in 20 years. Guess what time it is? It's more commercial time! Uh, I thought you were about to tell me if we were... So Tony Schiavone reminds everybody that coming this next summer, the Great American Bash... And you know how it was for me. How so? Uh, because we watched this Great American Bash show. They do go to a video package after that with Bob Taylor, and we see some clips of matches. But I saw clips of matches that we watched... And I liked the Great American Bash shows. Yeah, we liked it. But the, the, qual- quality. the quality was like, it was like, it was being able to like read for the first time. Or like, I don't know, like, I I wear glasses. I remember the first time I put a pair of glasses on and I was like, oh yeah, I haven't seen definition like this in a long time. And seeing those clips of those matches that I enjoyed, but in a higher quality, a higher quality was very enjoyable to make that would made me actually be like man if i could watch great american bash 85 86 in this quality tomorrow maybe i'd watch those shows again exactly and they're not like fucking five star shows or anything no definitely not but that's how good it looks uh, one of the other pieces of information that came from this was we found out that wahoo mcdaniel had never lost an indian strap match oh. i feel like that would have been good information to uh, give us when we were watching the Indian Trap match I've said earlier it again, in the show. And I'll say it before, but Tony Giovanni is forever on my shit list for being not good at his job. Was that match in Atlanta? Or was it in Greensboro? Let's take a look. It's Bob Cottle and Johnny Weaver's fault, not Tony's. What about the new one? Oh, okay. It was, it was in Greensboro. Whatever. All of these NWA guys. All of them were shit list. It's, it's seriously like four guys doing play by play. Not particularly well with zero color. Exactly. It's like you, like I've, I've seen you uh, call a match jokingly, Matt, 
we are friends, and I'm not trying to, like, you know, heat up your balloon, but you would do better. <laughs> you would do, would do a better job. I appreciate that. Yeah. So after that Great American Bash clips, uh, Tony lets us know that we're going to another break. Why? This is our Great American Bash thing that I just ruined. And so, by the power of video, we're right back. And they go to the credits at this point. Oh, yeah, we always get the credits early. Um, and I had two notes about the credits here. Okay. First one, first one was, the executive producer is Virgil Reynolds. I wondered how many people in, this, in that day and age that that was Dusty. Yeah. I mean, we know it's Dusty. But how many people back then knew it was Dusty? I, I have no idea. How many people knew that, that Virgil for the Million Dollar Man was probably a rib? It was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it obviously was. <laughs> Fuck you, fucking Bruce Prichard. Exactly. We're not a rib bullshit. And then the second thing was the Nashville Network mm-hmm. provided remote facilities in Greensboro. I just thought that was interesting because yeah. they got into the wrestling business in the late 90s with ECW and then... WWE. Yeah, so it's like this is their kind of first outing. Yeah. I had one that said uh, ATL director, and this is probably not correct at all, but I saw Tommy Edwards. Probably a super... That was the name, yes. Super normal name, but uh, I know that Tommy Lee Edwards uh, worked with John Carpenter and directed Halloween 3, but that's just me being like the horror nerd, and I'm like, that can't be the actual Tommy... That's not Tommy Lee Edwards. He didn't really make any movies. I was just curious. I didn't do the research if it was or not. If he did, it makes sense. Halloween 3 is not a great movie, but I love it. Well, maybe we should do some... Uh, some Google machine work. Some live Googling on air. Yeah. We can and fix it in post. That was Tommy Lee Wallace was Halloween 3. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So it's definitely not the right... Definitely not the right guy. So <laughs> that was Cut easy. Cut that. Don't make me look like a chump. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to head to our 11th match. And we got Rock and Roll Express, which is Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, versus the Minnesota Wrecking Crew of Ole and Arn Anderson. How do you feel about the Andersons? I love the Andersons. How do you feel about the Express? They're entertaining. Yes, I agree. But Ole and Arn are the Wrecking Crew for a reason. Exactly. And this is a steel cage match for the NWA World Tag Team Championships. How do you feel about tag team cage matches i have the note that says yay another steel cage tag team match they always make so much sense but i want to say that i write these notes as i'm watching them yeah i do not go back no, you know, yeah, and make a note no after the fact so like you know maybe maybe you love this match there's a good possibility but uh it's just it's really funny when you get the stipulations like how are you gonna a tag match should be a tag match unless it's a no DQ match and then there's no rules and they both just fight forever. Exactly. This match is coming. It's the main event from Greensboro and the match starts and we see Arn toss Gibson into the cage. After they get booed hard by the crowd. By the yes, way. they do. Robert reverses, starts pummeling Anderson against the cage. Both teams are brawling, tagging quickly. Arn goes to Irish whip Gibson, but Robert reverses it. Charges in after Anderson with a knee, but Arn moves, and Gibson is sitting on the top rope. Arn then grabs his leg and smashes it against the cage multiple times. The crew starts working over Gibson's leg as it's time for classic Anderson's focusing on a body part. 
more focusing on body parts forever. Also, I feel like this is one of the first times that we've had them directly reference on commentary the Four Horsemen. Yes. I Well, I think at Great American Bash they did, did once. Yeah. But, like, literally like, they just never – It was less – You never see them less out together. You never see them together. And, like, because, like, Tully Blanchard is – the basically the fourth man, yep. but who's the one after him? It's uh, I believe it's Lex. No, there's somebody between there. I uh, think. I don't remember. I don't know. Anyway, we'll 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 fix it later. But uh, yeah, this, we'll find out soon. This enough. is a hot match. In to- totally, Gibson hits a step up in Siguri, and is able to leap to a tag, but the crew just start pounding on Morton instead, throwing him into the cage multiple times. And the Andersons just start working over Morton. Arn goes to the second rope for a double axe handle. But Morton hits Arn as he's coming down and then hits a DDT. But Ole is there to throw him into the cage and Morton is busted open. I need my busted open sound. What would it be? <clears throat> That's not good. That's not good. Uh, we're kind of... We're 10 episodes in. I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, this is an ongoing uh, gimmick keep. Keep showing up. That's right. Arn hits the spine buster on Morton and goes for the pin, but Gibson saves it. Ole comes off the top rope with a knee to the shoulder. Morton starts throwing rights, and Arn is stumbling, but right as Ricky is about to tag, Ole jumps in and stops him. Morton then is throwing fists at Ole, and he's stumbling. And Morton goes for a small package, but Arn breaks it up, and now all four men are in the ring. Ole goes for a scoop slam on Morton, but Gibson drop kicks Robert on top of Anderson for the pin and the win. And this crowd is going nuts. nuts. They hate it. Fucking this. No, match. they love it. The Express win. Oh, the Express wins. But this match is the assassination of Ricky Morton, though. That red mask is brutal. It looks great. <laughs> it looks pretty amazing. Like normally, I'm not one for like, ah, oh, just give me all the blood. But he wears it well, and they don't, like, they do the baby work. They fucking yes. get their ass kicked and roll it the fuck. And they have some of the flashiest gear that yeah. we've seen at this point. And a bunch of, like, streamers. St- not streamers, but, like, uh, what do you call, like, a bandana? Yeah. Like a, like a classic bandana, but in, like, a lighter pink color. Like, tied along their shorts and stuff. But they're, like, black. And then they have, like, it looks like it's cut away because they're both white as hell, and this video's, like, pretty blown out color-wise. So it looks like they're wearing, like, knee stockings and then, like, black shorts and their legs are showing in the middle, but it's actually pink. Just so, like, light pink because of, like, the video technology at the time. Yeah. But uh, they take a real beating. Yeah, they do. And the Andersons just continue to attack the Express until the door is finally open from the cage and they're able to... Out the door. And then we head to our main event. The 12th match. Ric Flair versus Nikita Koloff. For the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. This match comes from Atlanta. You look like you have something to say. Oh, a 12th match of a four-hour show. That's not very many matches for a four-hour show. I think they probably do less on WWE (laughs) nowadays in a four-hour show. So the champ gets announced first. Foreshadowing. Flair, you hear Flair as he's walking down, you hear him get a son of a bitch call. Oh, uh, we do. And we, from get, the we get like the full Flair experience here. Like, yeah. we don't get the helicopter, but like, we get the music, we get plenty of like 
pyro and like and like fog and like big pink and blue lights and there's like there's a spot where he's walking through and it looks like there's like falling pyro yeah like you know what i mean it kind of it looks like a weird like shooting star type of thing it's very bizarre and then we cut to a video the sun over the horizon Uh, i forgot about this i tried to somebody running a red-headed woman one of the lyrics of the song that's playing oh, is... Oh, I texted them to you last night. Her like, life is like a box that's always empty. Oh, I wish I knew the melody. I would even sing it for you. We couldn't find it on the internet. No, I cannot be playing it, it is, for everyone It, like, it right came now. out of nowhere, and it's like in the middle of like the intro to Like, it match. makes no sense. That's not Ric Flair. That's not Nikita Koloff. Like, that's... So why is this happening? It's Magnum... Will TA, and then we realized that it was him that was running up to the woman... And they walk off together hand and the woman's in hand. Mother. It is his mother. Oh, it's it is his mother. It is his mother. Did she just die? And I was like a. Here is what happened. Why all this is going on? Magnum TA face flare in this match. But his mother got like cancer. No. Yeah. That's. And he was actually supposed to beat Ric Flair in this match. A new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And it was just be- it was going to become the <laughs> era. Oh yeah. So I'm okay with that. Before I go any further, okay. Just think about because what their basic plan basic plans were was Magnum to beat Flair mm-hmm. at Starcade. Yeah. They were going to feud a little bit. Magnum was going to continue to be the champion, and then Magnum TA and Nikita were going to. Be uh, reignite their feud from the previous summer at Great American Bash where they yeah, had the seven long term for the World Heavyweight Championship. And then you would have Magnum TA and could go to eighty eight. Exactly. But instead what happened is happened. Uh-huh. Magnum TA was driving his car oh. would lose control of it around a telephone pole. The accident caused his C four and C to explode. Oh. Don't say that again to me. And it was thought that he would never walk. So. They made this like church video. So they basically made this story as a, or the video was a tribute to T.A. Yeah, because he was Because hurt. they literally, but, you know they, what literally they, had no t- they literally had no time to set up this match at all. Because yeah. it was it was totally set up as Flair yeah, versus they had to call T.A. an audible and like create a and match. And it's also the reason why the, the show became, started being promoted as the Skywalkers. Because they needed to promote something else. Because they really didn't know what, what they were going to do. Yeah. That's such a bummer. I would have loved to see TA in that. Kind of so what they did was basically they had Nikita say he had gained respect for Magnum from their feud. Yeah. And that had seen Nikita. Because Nikita won the U.S. title from him. And wanted to take his place in the match versus Flair. Yeah. And basically on... Yo, I respect you. At some show in Charlotte, they had Dusty versus, I want to say, Rick, uh, or no, it was was Tully and J.J. Dillon. And who comes out to be Dusty's partner? Nikita. Uh, And that's the face So that's why we get the Nikita, like, cheers. And I was like, this is weird that he's still, but he's still wearing his Russian gear. And that makes sense because it's such a quick turnaround. But that's, that's kind of the reason why we get... Such a mixed reaction when Nikita comes out. Because not everybody knows that. Because most people might not have seen that face turn or even knew about it. Yeah. Nikita's it still wearing yeah, his you, Russian gear. Yeah, you can't you can't watch it online. He comes out in the Russian gear, it, and you either watch the show regularly or you don't. But he did get some cheers, and it was weird. 
to see them. That song, though, that video is fucking amazing. It is. Honestly. Well, here, so here's the thing. The song that we hear on the network is a dubbed song. Oh, the song that is actually played on that video. Can we use it in the in like the intro or outro credits of this show, episode? We could. What is the song though? Wind beneath my wings. <gasps> but it's not. It's not the Bette Midler version. No. It's the Gary Harris version, which I have never heard. I've never heard it either. Well, we're gonna have to listen to it, and uh, but it's the same song. You it's the same song. Yeah. Uh, but no, the song that we hear sounds like I was like, how could this be '86? Because I was listening to it, and the video is very bizarre. But the song is like, this does not sound like an '86 song. It sounds like a Christian rock song from like '97 or '96. <laughs> and then the lyrics are like, her life is like a box that's always empty. And then it's like, yeah, and I love my mom. I love my mom forever. And that's basically the song. It was such the weirdest song, and I was just popping yeah. for it so hard. Yeah, I was losing my shit. I thought I was at like a Sunday like like evangelical like uh like 90s early like channel 2 cable bullshit it was great anyway it was it's insane it is insane. <laughs> it's, it's insane and it's like, worth it if, even if you don't think that you should watch this show which there's some good stuff here which is some great stuff you have to at least go watch this video yeah. just for this yeah you can video. even mute it but you should hear this song you should hear the song and i need definitely. to hear i need to hear the original song so back to the match Start for the die it's fine it was worth we're, it. we're good it's worth it Flair is the heel, but I also feel like he's the underdog, and they played that yeah, during this match. They did. I mean, look at Nikita. Exactly. Look at Nikita fucking Koloff. But it's hard. I feel like it's hard for the heel to be the underdog. If you yeah, think that that's a there's a very there's a very like conflicted. I mean, Flair conflict. Flair is one of the probably the few people that can pull it off. Yeah, yeah. The like power dynamic of this match is very confused, and but I think they do a good job with it. I, I agree. So basically, the match itself, lots of power moves by Nikita. He gets a bear hug on. He actually uses it as a pinning attempt, oh, which yeah. was something that I'd never seen before, which cool. I thought was cool. Nikita Irish whips Flair, charges in, but Flair moves, and then vertical suplexes Koloff, but we get a no sell by Nikita. Uh, it's so pretty. No selling, no selling of. I love a good no-sell from somebody worthy of doing it. Exactly. So Flair takes a breather on the floor to come up with a new game plan. Nikita then hits a Russian hammer, or at least that's what we're told that it's called, but it basically looks like a claw to the throat. So does that mean that a clothesline is a Russian sickle? Yes. Six. And the ref makes him break the hold, but then Nikita rushes Flair as he is on the ropes. Rick moves and Koloff is over the top rope onto the floor. Koloff looks to have hit his knee on the way out, and Flair takes advantage by ramming it into the ring post. Flair starts focusing on that knee, including locking in the figure four. Mm, good. And he's holding onto those ropes when the ref is looking uh, away. It's the way they the way that they photograph it, like it's the way perfect. that it's recorded, is very very good. Also, we have you you did not let everyone know that Flair is in full Flair, like no. No beg mode. Oh, he's in total be- no beg. Mode. Yeah, yeah. He's like begging, begging he just for keep, not to get he hit. He just keeps like, running. I, you can't hear me like throw throw my arms in an X and wave back and forth, but that is flair, and it's it's pure flair. Exactly. He's not a hero in this match. Cole finally rolls over the figure forward and makes flair release the yeah, break which it. Which the commentary table does a terrible job of selling. 
Exactly. I hate them so much. I hate uh, Nikita no sells some flare chops and flare backs away once yeah. again. And we get probably the most clear flare woo on any of the pay per views. Yes. In this match. Nikita is running the ropes and Flair tosses Nikita to the concrete floor. Flair then smashes Nikita's head against the scaffold, uh, which busts Koloff open, which was a horrible looking blade job. Yeah. Because you can totally see him do it. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, we get the rolling knee drop, back body drop, gets two counts for Flair. Also, the scaffold is like a half inch pipe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nikita's back with some power slams and hit tosses. We get the flare flip over the top rope, out onto the floor, Nikita follows, and then flare goes to ram Koloff's head into the scaffolding again, but Nikita blocks it, and Rick's head is banged into it, which busts flare open, which again was a bad blade job, because you can totally see flare do it. Yeah. I mean, also, there's kind of the dusty thing earlier in the show, where like he gets, is it JJ? Yeah. Like, at the beginning of the match, and he, and he busts open. But later in the show, there's a spot where he, like, readjusts his hand to make him, you know, to get the color spot. Yeah. And uh, it looks really rough because you can see him, like, rearrange something. That was gross. <laughs> kind of hard to look at. Back in the ring, we get the flare flop after a couple of ch- Nikita goes for a bulldog, but Rick tosses him off into the ropes. Nikita comes flying back. Shoulder block, which knocks Flair backwards somewhat into the ref touched at all <laughs> and the ref falls out of the ring Honor onto the floor and looks to have nikita then hits a russian sickle and crawls to get the pin but there's no ref nikita goes out the ropes starts to grab the ref to pull him up into the ring when flair back with a knee sending koloff bouncing off the ropes flair covers scrappy the weird-haired ref ah, i love scrappy jumps in the ring goes for the count Nikita goes to Irish whip Flair, but a reversal, and Koloff comes down with another. Ref. The first ref's back in, goes to move Nikita off Flair, and Koloff just pushes him off. Isn't there a spot where somebody, like, where Nikita pushes Rick off? Second push oh, off. Okay, basically. yeah, it looks fucking great. Post match, the two men are just a t- crazy. Nikita's just hitting anybody who comes in the ring. Big Bubba, gorgeous Jimmy. They finally get a hold of Koloff so that. They're basically quadruple teaming. Yeah, yeah. More wrestlers running into the ring to separate the two men. Wait, who, who's going to hold down the Nikita Karloff? Kyle tells Tony that the ruling is a double DQ. But top of Koloff to keep him down and a few drag flare back to the locker room. Joe talking about some of the highlights of the evening. Basically, they call it the Super Bowl Pro Wrestling. And then we get a video package of the highlights of the show. And it's fun. All right, we don't do stars, typically. That's not our thing. We don't feel comfortable with being... So are you about to go into your overall thoughts of this show? No, no. I just want one... I want your your star rating for the last match. For the last for, match? Like your personal one, or whatever, however you decide that to be, but just for fun. I would probably give it a four and a quarter. Really? Yeah. Cool. What would you give it? It's like three and a half. I mean, I can see that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, no, but like, the thing is, like, it's a, that, that's the fun thing about a star rating is that, like, I think it's silly and you take from what wrestling whatever you want. But as far as us, you know, being friends and just joking around, it's like, well, like, how do you feel about it? Because I like this match. Yeah. I, I know you like this match, too. Yeah. I mean, 
at the beginning, I was kind of like, I, I didn't quite get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you added a lot to it for me because uh, you are the more research and your brain is more uh, akin to absorbing history and facts in a way that mine is not. And so, like, you know, I watch these shows, but when you recount them back or we talk about them, you know, I don't have the photographic memory that you have. You would, You always come with the the story of the match and that always adds something to it after the fact because i don't research the show you don't again. always know i don't want because I mean, the like, shows yeah. sometimes don't tell us what because fucking fuck you tony shivani and fuck you nwa not that much. like nobody does a great job all the time it's kind of frustrating that, that there's so much dead air no one's doing 100 all the time no no they're not dead and i just air. dated our podcast it's fine it's, it's totally fine but there's so much dead air on this show they could have been using it to do that because there's like no color there's absolutely no... Yeah, it's like they just had all... It's like play... Like, sell the, sh- the sell the match. No. So what were your overall thoughts of this show? Um, it's too long. There are some moments, and they, I hate the, the commentating team. So that definitely... Call- Talk shit about Homeboy from NXT, and how he always has, like... Mama Mia! He always has... He's, he's like... His, but it gets you into the match. But he... And he, like... But he tells you all about what's happening with those, so it makes it better. And then he also adds consistent, but they're fun to watch because this guy sounds like he should have no idea who the fuck. Exactly. And the thing is, is his jokes and like references are actually fucking funny. They are. And they're good. Like this guy is like, is is it uh, Mike Grinello? Maro, Maro, yeah, Maro Ronello is a fucking blast. I played or bored by him. The thing, like you're complaining about the commentary on this, is like it can add to the show. It can add, but it but can't take away. For me, it really can't take. Me, is worse so boring? Yeah, yeah. That I need something to. But keep the thing me is, is that for these older shows, and I understand that this is like early into thing, and uh, this art form sport being broadcasted this way like it's different they didn't they weren't doing live commentating on these like shows like i don't want to go to a show and hear live commentary no i hate i hate that idea that sounds awful but uh, at home i wouldn't probably be watching as much stuff without it it really can add it can totally add, but yeah. it, to me, it doesn't but, yeah. ever subtract. It never takes away. For me, it takes away whenever... Unless it's, it's Michael Cole. Yeah, I know, I know you hate Michael Cole. And you have no reason... I, I will not argue that. It's just one of those things when they, there's that much dead air, and these yeah. guys have been doing it for the same company, they should be telling the story. Because not everybody, like, at this point in early pay-per-view or whatever, like, not... A lot of people are going to get it for the hell of it. Or that are not super... Yeah. Like there, every time you do something, you should assume that there is a, a new, fir- a, a new, a work, new a first time, a first watching. time viewer, and like you can tease things you did before, so maybe they'll go back, or you uh, can tease things that might happen, or whatever. You can make your inside joke, but it should be, it shouldn't be a like a club. And I, I feel I'm like, with you. I'm yeah, with you. I don't know. I'll stop. You I mean, get where I'm coming from. Yeah, I get what you're coming. This show was hard. It's fucking hard. It's hard as fuck. Because, and what I, like when I say that, what I mean is basically, I enjoyed parts of almost every, every match. match. Yeah. But most of the matches were dull, 
overall. Yeah, and the thing is, I potentially blaming that on the commentary. And and, and subconsciously, that might be that might and be like, why. I like, and I might be wrong, but maybe that's what it takes for me to enjoy more. There was some there were some good spots, but I also like I appreciate a well wrestled match, but I also appreciate the story. Technically, the best wrestling match on this show is probably my least favorite match on this show. And that was probably the Brad Armstrong, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin match. Yeah. And that was that time limit, which I'm like... Was that like the second match? It was the second match of the the evening. I'm like, literally, you make that a... Make it a 10-minute match. Yeah. And cut some of the toe holds and the test of strength This is not the G1. (laughs) Like... Nobody cares. Nobody wants to see a draw. No, I, I, I don't want to see you guys go 20 minutes. Even – I don't want to see most matches go 20 minutes. No. But, like, I enjoyed the finishes because – These were some of the better finishes. Even, though, even if they were funky, they made sense. These were better – these were some of the best NWA finishes we've had. Exactly. It was I also the least bloody NWA show we've had. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, there was some, there was some heavy. There was blood. still some blood, but yeah, there was some heavy, heavy blade. But it all made, sure. but it all made but like, sense. Yeah, there was no the Abdullah the butcher like, let me fucking cut myself open before I enter the ring. Yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. Or it was just like a, a disgusting waterfall. But I think that these NWA shows are getting, they're getting better for sure. Yes, they are getting better. But it's fucking long, dude. Like four, it was four hours long. But we people did have we like, did have thirty minutes of commercials. Yeah, that's true. But people were bitching about WrestleMania thirty five from a couple weeks ago, and it was five and a half hours long if you don't count the pre show. And then it's seven. And that's only an hour and a half longer than this, and there was definitely like a lot more going on. Exactly. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time for us to smart it up. What were the best moments of the evening for you? Oh, I need my, my quick shot. I mean, I can literally go through them. Tim Horner and Rock is fun. The last handful of shows we've watched, the first couple matches have really been fucking rockin' ass matches. Exactly. They've been like straight to the point, they've been fun, and they've been wrestled matches. Uh, Guerrero hitting the Pescado. That's yeah. always fun. I was like, I think Guerrero might be my favorite thing in this show because I just wasn't fucking ready for it. And he goes out there and he fucking puts it all on the line and he's like the whole match. He is the whole he's match. He's the whole match, but he takes, he does an interesting offense, but he does nothing but take hits the whole time, which is really interesting. Sam Houston was one of my favorite parts of this uh, of this show. Thank you. I'm glad you're coming around. I never didn't dislike him. Yeah, but you didn't like him the first time. But he didn't do anything that was just like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, no. What he did, what this he, is awesome. what he did was basically, if you think of this time in wrestling, or you know, a couple of years before this, as a fraternity, what Sam did was he took his hazing, yeah, and he sold it like a motherfucker. He but did. he's he worked his yeah, way up the ranks. He's like he's he's your uh, your I don't want to say this dirty word. But he's your fucking cruiserweight, like, your American yeah. cruiserweight fucking bit. He can a little bit, but he does a perfect, like, American, like, lucha. Yeah. Almost. Completely. For this time I period. mean, the, there was some chain wrestling in that Sam Houston Bill Dundee match mm-hmm. that was just, I was just like, yes, this is great stuff. Yeah, I think like that match is up there for me for sure. Like Bill Dundee uh, was a great heel in between. 
was like yeah. perfect. Like he really sold himself to be a beautiful heel. I can say that the finish of literally the last five matches, even though they were all kind of funky, the Garvin Rogers Cornette hitting Garvin. Yeah. I thought that was a fun, yeah. fun ending. I mean, we are, we're, I think that we're kind of used to expecting this, but I think they're also getting better at, like, telegraphing. Two most disappointing moments of this show. I mean, you've already mentioned the commentary. Like, I said, like I was saying, Armstrong Garvin, I felt like it was probably the best wrestled match. Yeah. But it should have been. Kind of, it was just kind of like, yeah. all right, cool. Jimmy Valiant doesn't just needs to go away, in my opinion. I know you don't like Valiant. I like Valiant. I like Valiant if this is a three-hour show. I like Valiant if this is a two-hour show. I like the Valiant match over the Armstrong match. Armstrong match is more more uh, physical. And well, I more personally in- like Valiant match more than the Armstrong match. But it's not necessary. But the Armstrong match is a better wrestled match. Oh, it's that's better what, wrestled, that's yeah. What, that's what and I'm the saying. thing is, like, I prefer uh, like a well-wrestled match over a like fun gimmick cartoon match that only counts... That only lasts in... I don't feel that way. Because sometimes I don't feel that way. Sometimes it's a mix between, and that's kind of why I... Because it doesn't have to be one thing. And then I think we're both in agreement. We never want to see a never again. No, no, never. The only time I want to see a tag team match is when it's a fucking traditional-ass tag team match. Well, then moving on to our best performer, I'm giving it to the Andersons. Yeah. I love the Andersons. Like, I... You asked me. Actually, you, you asked yeah. me what my rating was for yeah. the flair needed. I'm gonna ask you what you thought of the Anderson Rock and Roll Express. Match. Oh, that's an easy four. Four and three quarters, buddy. <laughs> oh wow, it's close to being a perfect match for me. Really, that's awesome. I'm glad. That's awesome. I will say that like Rick Rude Wahoo. That's like the lowest point. That's the match I really didn't need, and I like Rude. And I like Wahoo, but I'm so you didn't, not. You don't like any strap matches. The Indian strap match is the least important thing to me. How about anything surprising on the show? Just uh, wasn't ready for Hector to show up. I, yeah. Wasn't ready for Hector to uh, perform to perform that way. I would get my Sam Houston matches, and I was excited to see one. And he really performed very well. It was nice to see offense as opposed to defense. It was nice to see Nikita in a uh, big boy match. And yeah. I think that he did a fucking amazing job of doing it. Surprising for me is how the fuck anybody would even think that the scaffold match entertaining. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, at WrestleMania three, we're gonna have a Matt Claxon on a pole match. All right. Cool. <laughs> it's gonna be me versus me, and you're. <laughs> well, then it sounds like you're gonna win either way. <laughs> now it's time for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. In Night Edge, Strangler Lewis would meet Billy Sandow. Sandow had been a talented wrestler, but never material. But he had found that he excelled at something else, managing. While wrestling had been largely fixed for 30 years, it was crucial to have someone advocating for them as a talent wasn't always enough. Billy Sandow became that man for Ed Lewis. Sandow would be responsible for negotiating cuts of the house along with the finish of each match. As Lewis would rack up the wins, Sandow would start eyeing the biggest prize of them all, the World Heavyweight Championship. So next week, WrestleMania 3. 
I'm I'm very excited. Uh, Super I, pumped for this one. I've seen clips of WrestleMania three. I had my WrestleMania uh like VHS tape. You remember that one? I I've never seen any of it at all. Okay. Well, I, well, there wasn't a WrestleMania three VHS tape. I had a WrestleMania like kind of like best of WrestleMania okay. like VHS tape. I got it around the same time as like the Faces of Foley when I was a kid, and I was like, that was like when I got into wrestling. I did it for a small amount of time up until more recently where uh, I was an adult and realized that like people in their underwear fake fighting fucking rules. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm excited to see this mat, uh, see this show. I'm excited. Of course we know we've all seen the, like heard the tales of the Andre Hogan, Hogan match, but I am, Steamboat, but a Steamboat, Macho Man. Steamboat Macho Man is like, I am setting myself, I'm setting the bar so high that it's not healthy. No. Because, like, I shouldn't be this excited, but I'm ready to cry about it, and that's not, <laughs> that's probably a bad sign. I'll probably be disappointed, but if I'm not, then, like, Good yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah, tears are healthy. That's right. The music from this week's show, the beginning we got the theme music from Starcade by Frank Stallone, and then, of course, Spotch Zarathustra from Strauss, because Ric Flair is the man. Yeah. And to beat the man. You gotta be a man. Sure. You can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or just wherever you find your podcast at. Rate and review us. Give us those five stars. Get stuff in those analytics so more people can find us. Yeah, five stars and no stars. We may be giving Flair four and a half. But we deserve five. But we deserve five. (laughs) So convoluted. So uh, you can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter where... One of us is always talking shit on something. Uh, yeah, right? if you should give me that password. I don't know how to put it, but I'll do it. Wrestling Histo X. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>